Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. If you need to turn your chairs, you can. Don't feel like you got to sit with your back to the front. Thanks for, well, you didn't get a choice, I guess, so I don't know if thanks is the right way to say it, but for, yeah, for not leaving when you saw the tables, I guess, is maybe the right thing to say. Uh, if you're relatively new or new or guest, like, we promise this is a safe place for you. We're not going to, like, make you do anything crazy or share something you don't want to share. But we are a community, and sometimes it's good to sort of gather this way and be together. It reminds us that we're a family and we're around the table together. And uh, and we are, again, one of the reasons we did it, I am going to give you guys a question in a little while to discuss right in the middle of of the message. So isn't that novel? You actually get to talk to each other instead of just having to listen to me the whole time. Open door. Oh, not not open this door here, sorry. Open door. You ever had a door open for you in your life? You felt stuck or didn't know what to do, and all of a sudden an opportunity came. And the door was open. And then you had to decide, do I walk through this door or not? Is this a good door? Is this a safe place for me to walk through or not? That's what we're going to be together around this morning. So we've been in the book of Revelation for the last few months, as you guys know, most of you know. And we're specifically listening to Jesus. It's a really unique passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 because he's addressing seven different communities, communities like us. These communities probably weren't much larger than we are. We don't really know how big they were. They were probably for sure house churches. That's how the early church worshipped. Uh, normally. Sometimes they were in common places. Normally they were in homes. And so Jesus is addressing, we have his words, as best as we can tell, uh, seven communities individually. Today we're on number six. Hard to believe. So today we're going to hear him address the church in Philly. Philadelphia. So, Philly. Revelation 3, 7 to 13 You're going to hear him talk about doors, and we're going to be thinking about doors, open doors, and even next week as we go to church number seven, we're going to hear him mention a door there as well. So we're going to be thinking about doors in the next couple weeks, and we'll see how uh, the Spirit guides us as we do. Let me give you one more chance to stand up. So let's stand, and I'll read the scripture um, if, you, if you want to, if you don't want to, you're like, man, I just got comfortable. Come on. That's okay. Just stay sitting. Revelation 3, 7 to 13. And to the angel of the church in Philly, Philadelphia, write, the Holy One says these things, the true one, the one holding the key of David. What's that mean? Well, we'll get into that a little bit. The one who opens what no one will shut. And shuts what no one opens. 
I know your works. We've heard him say that before. I've placed before you an open door, which no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, but you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Look, I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan, you like to be in that community, who call themselves Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall at your feet, and they will know that I have loved you. Because you kept my word of steadfast endurance, I will keep you from the hour of testing that's about to come upon all those inhabiting the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown. I will make the one conquering a pillar in the temple of my God. And he will never leave it again. And I will write upon her, upon him, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven from my God. And I will write my new name. Let the one having an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray together. Lord, in this moment, we bring our whole selves before you as best as we can. We, we come in often distracted. We come in sometimes distorted. We, we come in feeling like we're not all together, like we're, we're divided internally. Uh, our own self, our thoughts run contrary to our emotions and our will gets in the way. And Lord, we come as we are before you. You are the one who calls us in all of our broken parts to you and welcomes you and opens a door before us. Lord, you are in the business of bringing wholeness and healing to our broken parts. So we offer ourselves as we are before you and ask you to do in each of us what we cannot, what we can't seem to pull together. Lord, we look to you this morning. We ask that your spirit would give us ears to what you have to say to us this moment. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Fascinating words from Jesus to the church in Philly. Church number six. To the angel of the church in Philly write, so this church, this city, was founded, Philadelphia, the year B.C. 140. It was called often the gateway to the east. It was in that circle, that horseshoe of circles that we've been looking at that's now in modern-day Turkey. It was founded by a name of Adelus II Philadelphus of Pergamon. Hence, the name Philadelphia came from his name. His vision when he founded Philly is that it would become a center of Hellenistic life. Do you know that word Hellenistic? Hellenistic meant the Greek culture that pervaded. The empire was Rome, but Rome didn't really have 
kind of a culture of its own, not because it didn't, but because it was so enamored with Greek culture that it promoted Greek philosophy and music and language and so forth. So when Atalus Philadelphus founded this city, he thought this will be a trophy of this culture of the Roman Empire. He had this vision for a shared community of people oriented around a kingdom. But it was not a kingdom of God, it was a kingdom of men. Interesting, isn't it, how this is perpetuated? Over and over, nations, cultures get visions for kingdoms. Meanwhile, Christ has opened a door and said, the kingdom of God is at hand and available to any culture, to any person, no matter how distant they may feel. Jesus says, the Holy One, I am the true one. And then he says something a bit interesting. I'm the one who holds the key of David. This is a reference to an Old Testament passage. In fact, word to the wise If you're reading in the book of Revelation and you come across something that's odd, there's a really good chance it's a reference to the Old Testament. Not always, but a lot of the times it's a reference to the Old Testament. So you have to do the work sometimes to find it. This is a reference to the prophet Isaiah. I want to take you there real quick. Uh, We won't spend a lot of time with this because it's not our main Point of reference, but Isaiah 22, Isaiah is talking about a day to come that will replace all the disaster that was going on in the southern kingdom of Judah. And in, in chapter 22 of Isaiah, in verse 20, he says, On that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. Who's Eliakim? Eliakim is the palace administrator. I'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. But he's, he's the manager of the king's palace. The king at this point that it's referencing to would have been David. It was that palace, although this is past David's time. Verse 21, he says, I will clothe him with your robe and fast, fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. And I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David, the key to the palace. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. As administrator to the palace, Eliakim was giving its key. It was entrusted to him. The key gave him what? Access. The key embedded authority on him. Eliakim had authority of the key. He got to decide who came in and who went out. It gave him access. He got to decide who had availability to this place. That's what keys do. They grant access. If you've got a key to something... Um, You have to steal a car without the key if you don't have it or hotwired it or whatever. To be a key holder is to grant you the authority and access to open and close whatever that key 
is two. Jesus says he is the one who has access. He is the one who has authority to the palace of the kingdom. That's what he's saying here. He says, I open what no one will shut. If I open it, try as you may, you will not shut it. I have ultimate authority. If I shut something, don't try to kick that door open. It won't be good for you if you do. Jesus is saying something really important with these few words. He's saying, I have ultimate authority to God's kingdom, to the house of David. And then he turns to the church at Philly. He's, talk, he's done talking about himself, and he's turned to them, and he says, I know your works. We've heard him say that to every community. I see you. I know you. I know not just what you do. I know why you're doing it. I know where you're strong. I know when you're weak. I know in which ways you're flourishing. I know in which ways you're missing it. I know your vulnerabilities. I know your visions. I know you. And then he says to them, look, I am placing before you an open door that no one can shut. That's pretty interesting. Like, if the he's, second time already he's using the word door. First time, if he just used it once, we probably wouldn't have paid that much attention to it. But he's talking about key of David, and now he's talking about an open door, both of which are coming out of this ancient prophecy of Isaiah. Both phrases. So he's explicitly saying something about a door. He wants to talk to us about open doors. So it begs the question, what is this open door Christ is referring to? Is it named in the text? Is there something specific Jesus is referring to that's not identified in the text? Because if you're looking for something specific, you won't find it. It's not there. Is, there. is this open door something that they just understood? Or are there clues or cues in the text that might help us understand what this open door is? Those are good questions. One thing is clear. So when we read Scripture, we always want to take away what's clear. Jesus has the authority. Jesus has the access to open the door or shut it. That's what's clear. But let's do some work with it. Let me ask you a question. Does Christ still has a rhetorical question? I admit it. Does Christ still have the authority to open and close doors? Yeah, do you believe that? Do you believe Christ does open and close doors? For individuals, do you believe he would actually go through the trouble to open and close a door for you? I see some nods. What about as a community? I mean, that's obviously what he's talking about here. He's talking about Philly. Would God open a, or close a door to a community? What do you think? Good questions to sit with, right? That we can pull them out of the theoretical and say, what would that look like? What would that be like? I mentioned earlier 
Next week, we're going to see another door. We're not going to spend time with it now, other than I do want to read it. It's a verse that some of you, I'll bet, are familiar with. Revelation 3.20, when Jesus is addressing the church at Laodicea, he says this, Here I am. I am standing at your door, and I'm what? Knocking. You know that one? He says, if anyone would open that door, I'll come in. We'll have buffet together. So here's the point just for this morning. Christ opens and closes doors. Sometimes he doesn't do either one of those. He knocks on them. Interesting, isn't it? Something to think about. We'll, we'll go more into that next week. There's a group of open door passages that are kind of clustered together in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. I, I did, as you know, you try to do when you're talking about something like doors, I did a search on all the word, every time door is used in Scripture, I think there's about 70 of them. Most of them are just about physical doors, you know, like so-and-so walked through the door. and doesn't really necessarily have a lot of meaning, it's just the object. But then there's a handful that have some meaning, I want to I read to you this cluster uh, around the ministry of Apostle Paul. Uh, yeah, starting in Acts 14, uh, uh, Luke wrote, on arriving there, there was Antioch, which was kind of the, became the hub of the ancient church. On arriving in Antioch, they gathered a church together, they being Paul and his ministry team, and they reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Then, Paul referencing his own work in Ephesus in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. In writing the Corinthians, he, he says, I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me there. When he's writing to the church at Colossae, he says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, our team, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the message of Christ for which I am in chains. There's a common denominator around this cluster. Do you see it? It's all related to the gospel. The advancing of God's kingdom, his message to those who had not yet heard it or who had not yet received it. By the way, this is a side note. Um, there's another interesting reference in Revelation about a door that we won't get to. It's in chapter 4. Uh, but... John's writing, he says, he's in this vision, he says, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I first heard speaking to me, like a trumpet, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after all this. So you can play with that one if you want on your own, we're not going to. But back to our question, and I'm, gonna, and, and I'm getting ready to give you a question for your tables. By the way, you don't have to like, if you feel like, I don't have anything to say about that, that's okay. We're good Midwesterners here. We, we are okay uh, 
being quiet. But before I ask the question in a minute, I want to make sure there's clarity. Because you may be thinking, I'm not, I'm not sure what he means when he says open door. Okay, so throw a few descriptive phrases out or synonyms. What are you hearing when I say open door? Defi- let's define it as best as we can. Okay, that's a good synonym, opportunity. We think of opportunities as open doors often. Yeah, good. What else? Anything else? I mean, that's... Ah, good. Do you guys hear that? It's a door to somewhere I'm not currently. It leads to somewhere. Maybe there's a path outside that door. That's good, Jordan. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, there's not probably a hundred synonyms out there. I mean, I, I think invitation, that's, that's a word that comes to mind, an open door. It's an opportunity that has this invitation in it. Maybe an, oppor- an invitation to really something good. It could be an invitation to your doom, <laughs> right? But it's an invitation nonetheless, you know? Good. Okay. So here's our question. Because I think there's collective wisdom in the room. That's why I have you in tables to talk about it. I think that what might get said around your table might be better than what I say. So I want to let you have it. I'm going to give you about five minutes with it. So you won't get done. Five minutes isn't very long. Uh, But here it is. How do you, I'm going to ask it a couple different ways just to make sure it's clear. How do you determine... If what looks like an opportunity is an open door from God. How how would you know that something that may be opening to you is an invitation that will be good for you? That will be a right thing for you to walk through. A healthy thing for you to walk through. You don't have to get tripped up on the from God. If you're like, I don't know. But some of you have some thoughts about that. So you can come at it more like good for me or from God. You don't have to get stuck. Of like, I'm not really sure I know this is from God, but here's some wisdom about that that I've learned. Think about in your own life, maybe. I mean, you're not going to have time to tell your life story with the question, unfortunately. Now, those are called retreats, <laughs> not Sunday morning. But take five minutes and share your thoughts about this. How do I know... An opportunity is good for me that is from, could be from the Lord. Does that make sense? Is the question clear enough? All right. I'm going to set my watch for five minutes. Go for it. This is the worst part, breaking up your conversations, because let's see if we can ransack just a couple, three, like, what did you hear that was really meaningful to you in your collect? I mean, there's a person at your table, at least one over 30 years old. This is an old group here. (laughs) 
What did you hear? Why did you hear that was meaningful? Let's hear from Okay. Scripture, you heard scripture, yeah, discernment, yeah. That's really good. It may not be the door you were looking for. Oh, wow, that's good. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. That That's good for us who are like, very scattered and all over the place to hear that. It's a good word. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Did everybody hear that? There may, there may be a, I don't know, you can use sort of a thread of some consistency from the past that might speak into the processing that you're doing. And it could be a completely different door. Sorry, Will. No, it isn't that. It's also the idea that you can go here, but in the past, God has led you to this place. And he gave you this or led you into this place. But then your whole life will lead you to this place. Now, Oh man. You know, like now you're you're like you're like you're like you're like you're like you Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about there, yeah. The left-hand turn at the last minute, that, that was an open door, yeah. That, that make, makes me want to give a shameless plug for our Common Conversation Tuesday, because I am going to talk about what you guys said who at the retreat from our post-it notes, about who we are, and like, I, I, I wouldn't know how to do it, but like I am assuming that like what we've said about who we are, the genuine in us, will be part of what God's doing forward. I'm, I think that's a safe assumption. Won't necessarily capture all of it or perfectly, but there's going to be some real cues in there. So come Tuesday if you can. I'm so looking forward to it. One more. So good. And you can be the one more. You don't feel like you're taking someone else's slot. Okay, what? Yeah. 
That's so good. You guys hear that over there? Guarding against that. Like, there, and there are people who would say that. It's an open door. It's got to be from God. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. If you play that logic out in other areas of my life, that'd get me in all kinds of trouble, you know? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to send through Debbie uh, some notes about open door wisdom and also a few other things I'm getting ready to share before we transition that she's going to send out to the CLCs this week. As a, if you, you're a coach in the CLC, you can use it or not. There may be something else that you're doing, or, or Debbie may add something that's better what I'd send, but she's going to get it uh, in the morning or maybe tonight, and um, you can use that in CLCs to kind of continue this conversation if that's good for you. Um, but I, wanna, I want to return to the question of what is this open door that Jesus is offering to Philly? Because I think if we don't do that, we're not honoring the text and what it has to say. Because I am of the mind that there are some cues that don't necessarily give all the clarity we wish we could have about what this door Jesus is placing before them. Uh, but I think there's enough here that we get a sense of the nature of the open door. Uh, even th there may be some specifics behind it that we will never know, right, in detail. Uh, but as we pray through open doors, and I mean both you as an individual, as you are presented opportunities, and as, as we as a community, as opportunities may come our way, like, I think these things that are in this text are actually pretty, pretty life-giving and important. So I want to share them with you. I don't even know what verse number it is. Um, where it says, I know you have little strength. And maybe, Sarah, you can find that one on there somewhere. Uh, it's pretty early in that. Text. I want to I want to share four things that I see that are descriptors of Christ's open door. Let me put it that way. So, uh, the one who opens and closes doors. I think there's some cues in here um, that Jesus offers. So he said for the first the first cue is this: uh, a little strength goes a long way. A little bit of strength goes a long way. So look at verse whatever it is. I'm sorry I don't have the numbers on my notes. Eight, thank you. He says, I know you have little strength. He says this right after he's offered the open door. But, he says, you've kept my word and you've not denied my name. Implying there are those who have not kept his word and have denied his name. So, Here's the principle. In Jesus' open door way, being small of strength, being weak, is not a problem for him. It's not an issue for him. In fact, in the kingdom, little is often preferred. Weakness often is a useful tool in the hands of Christ. He knows how to make flourish small, weak people. 
In fact, what we see is those are the ones he's usually pursuing. The ones who already know they're small and weak. So little is not a problem, often preferred, and that's one of the inversions of the kingdom. God often takes what looks like not much and does much with it. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, he's, he's struggling because he's got some kind of physical infirmity. We guess about what it is. We're not sure. But he's talking to Jesus about it. And Jesus says, look, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Think about that for your life. My strength comes to maturity. That's what that biblical word perfect means. We might use the phrase in spite of you, in your weakness. Paul comes to the conclusion, therefore, I'm going to brag about, I'm going to start bragging about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses in insults and hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For I've learned this, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So that's an open door. An open door to bring you as you are, even though you're weak. Second, he says, because you've kept my word of steadfast endurance, I will keep you from the hour of testing that's about to come upon all those inhabiting the earth. That's something big, who are about to be tested. So here's the second principle. As we keep his word, he keeps us. He keeps us. He's in the business of keeping us. That's the open door. Access to the provision, the protection, and the presence of God. That's the open door Jesus is offering. You want God's provision? You want his presence? You want his protection? Walk through this door. It's called me. The community keeps the word of the Lord steadfastly. The Lord keeps them here from severe testing. Third, we can here's the principle. We can trust Christ to help us when opposition comes. Jesus says, look, I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan, I don't want to mess with them, who call themselves Jews, though they're not, they're liars, I'm going to make them come and fall at your feet. They will know what? I have loved you. I love that phrase. That's the gold in this text. They'll know that I have loved you. So Christ says, I'm coming soon. Hold on. Hold on to what you have. The open door is access to the love of God, the riches of his wisdom. It is available through this door. Even during attacks and accusations, it is available to you. Lastly, number four, Jesus says, I'll make the one, con this, is the, this is such a great, beautiful picture. I'll, be, I'll make the one who conquers a pillar in the temple of my God. And he will never leave it again. And I will write upon them my name name of my God, the name of my city, the new Jerusalem. I will write my new name on them. 
What an encouraging word. So here's the principle. The faithful experience the blessing of Christ. I mean, he, he's, he's going down now. Remember the cycle of grace to identity. I am going to write my identity all over your life. You will marinate in that. It will become a descriptor of your life. The one who is like Jesus. The one who is chasing after Jesus. The one whose life is about Christ and his kingdom. I will write my name upon them. So the open door is deep drawing of identity in Jesus, no matter what our circumstances might be. That's what I see, those four things um, there. I don't know if the open door, there's more to it than that. I don't know. I do know that opportunities come our way. Sometimes they come at really opportune times. Sometimes they come, you're like, please, not now. I do know we have to discern. I do know we have work to do when they come. As we mull opportunities, uh, we have to do business with them, with God. Just because the door's open, you know, doesn't necessarily mean one thing or the other. We have to do the work. Sometimes we have a lot of time to do that work. Sometimes not as much as we wish we had. God is faithful and he meets us in those opportunities. He will be faithful and uh, to us. And there's op- we have some opportunities right now. That th- we have doors that are already open to us. There's going to be more coming. God is not looking for great things. He's looking for faithfulness. Out of that, he'll take little, he'll take weak, and he'll do much. That's what he does. That's what he's offering to Philly. Look, I have placed before you an open door. Look what I will do. That's God's word for us today. Who wants to pray us out? Might want to pray? Jeremy? Got it?